The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co., established 1977, have personal and domestic water filters, which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting, alkaline, ionized mineral water, which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals, and bacteria, so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984, and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. Gunisodi's family roots in Ayurvedic medicine stretch across generations, but he didn't personally understand the power of Ayurveda until tragedy struck. The sudden death of his 16-year-old brother completely changed the course of his life, setting him on an unprecedented path of self-discovery. Following his brother's passing, Guni was consumed by debilitating panic attacks and bouts of deep depression. It was there at his wit's end that Guni would rediscover his roots. On the advice of his family, he began supplementing his diet with ashwagandha and other time-tested Ayurvedic remedies. Meditation and yoga became daily practices, and within six weeks, his anxiety faded and his depression lifted. To find out more about Guni Sodi, please visit his website, uveda.com. That's Y. O-U-V-E-D-A dot com. Gunny, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you, brother? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Pete. It's an absolute honor. I'm a huge fan of what you do and the message you just display. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. My pleasure. Me too. I mean, I thank you so much for the kind words. And what I'm excited today about is exploring Ayurvedic principles with you and hearing your story and how this can translate to our listeners and even myself along this journey. And it must have been close to 30 years ago that I first heard the word Ayurveda. And I was reading a book by Deepak Chopra and then consequently, when he traveled through Australia, getting to meet him and doing one of his workshops and learning about uh, some of these ancient and very respected traditions of looking at the body in such a unique way that differed to so many different things, so, so many other, I guess, philosophies that are out there on body, mind and spirit. Now, I'd love for you to take us through the journey of your experience and your understanding of Ayurvedic and how it has influenced your life in so many ways. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's really interesting how you mentioned Deepak. Um, my firsthand experience was fortunately with my 
through my dad. But I also love all the work Deepak has done with seven spiritual laws of success and other things as well. So my story is is a very unique one, Pete. Imagine growing up in a household at a very early age and being exposed to Ayurveda. Now, I, I'm saying Ayurveda right now, but to me, back in the day, that all seemed normal. It's almost like the Steve Jobs quote, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only do it looking backwards. And every time I have this conversation, it's more apparent to me how obvious it was that I was already exposed to this beautiful science, this beautiful philosophy around balance. And to me, that's kind of what I've been really, that's my, that's my why, that's my story is, is not only spreading the kind of philosophy of Ayurveda, but simplifying it. I think a lot of times it's overcomplicated. You know, when you get into the doshas, when you get into the gunas, the ama, the other stuff. So to me, Ayurveda is about a balance of your mind, body, and spirit. As you are and you live, it is a reflection of your external environment. So going back to kind of my story, my father came here with an Ayurvedic degree. Now, Ayurveda is not a licensed form of medicine here. So he went and got his naturopathic degree at Bastyr College in Washington State. From a very early age, yoga, meditation, the importance of eating organic home-prepared meals were instilled in me. And it's actually interesting. When I grew up going to school, you know, I would see other kids relying on the school lunches as a form of nutrition. And while it may taste good to have that pizza every day or that soda, I soon realized because I developed allergies and headaches of how non-nutritious and non-helpful that food was. And that is when, you know, my dad and mom, they would cook food for me, home prepared food that I would take. And sometimes, you know, it would, it would be kind of embarrassing because the other kids would be like, what are you doing? What are you eating? I just knew from an early age, somehow intuitively that this was the right way because I felt better. I didn't develop those allergies. I didn't develop the headaches that I, that I would when I was eating it. But the true power for me really came full circle, Pete, when I would get to visit and be a witness to when my dad would be prescribing certain things as shirudara, would be making tinctures, would be putting people on certain herbal supplements, and also would be taking their assessment from an Ayurvedic perspective. And he would be asking questions such as, okay, how, what is your relationship to your anger? It's like, wait, what, wait, what did you just, and, and the patients would be like, wait, what, what do you mean? You, you don't just care about, you know, my symptoms and you just want to write me a prescription and be out. No, he's like, let's get to understand your history. Let's get to understand what brought you here. What environment did you grow up in? What is your relationship to yourself, your emotions, and what is your relationship to your family? Mm, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my language there, and I love the word history because, without putting a gender on it, but his story. You know, it's like if ever, I wonder if what would happen if every doctor or health professional started off with, "What is his or her story?" that led yeah. them to be here today. Absolutely. We may have less people that are sick. You know, people may be feeling better. Who knows, right? <laughs> I love it. And uh, so you're speaking my language. So keep going on this because I'm, I'm really enjoying the way you're speaking. Thank you so much. So to me, I was able to see patients would come in. And again, I, I keep on saying that I did not connect the dots till a life event later, which we can get into as well. But 
See, I would see people at a very early age come in suffering or come in with their last wits and really take the time and fully just divulge and fully just let my father know what was wrong with them and what they needed help with. Some of these people were chronically going from one doctor to the other and were just sick and tired of it. And others knew that there was a better way. And I would see them leave after 45 minutes to an hour with him with glimmers of hope in their eye and their complete facial expression changed because I believe, see, one of the things that, that I think when people are truly allowed to share is, is medicine is also about letting people express and having that understanding that it does start in the mind. That's what Ayurveda stresses. It does start in the mind. My dad tells me something really interesting and he deals with cancer patients now. He says 50% of the time, the cancer patients are already defeated because of that mental word that gets imprinted in their subconscious of cancer just the fear around that. So he says, it was really important for me to take the time to listen to these people. And at that age, I would get to witness these people walk out. And I believe what I saw in their eyes was their own intuition, their own confidence, knowing that, hey, my body has the power to heal itself. And this is how we're going to do it. And my father always says also that your body is your own best pharmacy. And that's kind of, Pete, how I was exposed to Ayurveda at a very early age. But it didn't truly impact me personally until a later life event. Mm, I would love to explore with you that <laughs> word hope. You mentioned the word hope. Absolutely. What does that mean? Because some people go, yeah, that's just a word, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you said that the patients from your father had that that glimmer of hope, that little sparkle in their eye when they spent after 45 minutes or an hour with him. What does that mean to you? Being about six, seven years old when I would see these people leave out, what I mean by hope is I truly feel like they come out knowing that whatever's wrong with them, whatever they've been thrown at from one doctor to the other, not having the answer, having that hope more so means that self-confidence. I know personally with me that when I understood how the mind-body works, there was intuitive subconscious hope, like internal hope, knowing that, okay, if the body can create this, a body-mind can create disease and can create discomfort and can create unbalance, why can it not create balance, homeostasis, and not fix it? And I think that's what I mean by hope. People were empowered after understanding what they were going through how the body works and how the mind is so powerful and what they can do about it. Mm. So let's go to the other side of the coin, which is despair from trauma. And I invite you to share your story, brother. Absolutely. So come full circle, growing up, went to high school, college here. The year was 2006, Pete. The month was January. The day was 25, 25th of January. And the time is 2.10 p.m. I'm calling my brother and college kids, you know, what, what else is on our minds? Hey, hey, what are we doing this weekend? Are you coming over to our place over here? I used to live on the college campus. Are you coming here? What are we doing? Are we meeting up? Are we, what party are we going to? That's kind of what was being discussed. I mean, I, I was, you know, in college, it's a weekend. And that's what we're doing. So I call him up. We have a quick little conversation. We make plans. He's going to come over and we're going to meet up. And I hang up the phone. I'm like, okay, this is good. We're brothers coming over. We're going to hang out like we usually do. Pete, about half an hour later, I get a call from his best friend and I pick up and his best friend is 
almost slurring his words, is hysterical. He's lost his breath and he just keeps on telling me, my brother's name is Rishi and he keeps saying, hey, Rishi's been in a car accident. Rishi's been in a car accident. I'm like, okay, hey, hey, hold on, slow down, slow down. Is he okay? Is he okay? He goes, I don't know. I try to call. He doesn't pick up his phone. He's not picking up his phone. That was obviously the moment, you know, my body started shaking and I hung up the phone with him and I tried to call my brother as well. Same thing. I could not get a hold of him. I, at that time, I was at work and I had known where the accident had taken place. Now I knew he was in an, obviously in an accident. I knew where the accident was. So somehow just knowing that, okay, let's go to the scene of the accident. Maybe we can find out something else. And one of my coworkers saw me, saw me shaking. And I was also beginning to tremble. You know, the fight or flight response kicks in. It's so amazing how the body just prepares you for, for things. And the fight or flight response was there. And my coworker said, there's no way I'm going to let you go by yourself. I will drive. So Pete, as we're driving, I turn on the radio and I hear these words that, you know, still I can recall them now. There was the traffic reporter saying there's been a fatal accident on this street that my brother's car was. And I just begin to lose it. Thing is, I still had this hope that there was others involved and perhaps Unfortunately, you know, hopefully it wasn't my brother. That's how you think in that situation. But as closer and closer we got, I saw that his car was completely, I mean, it was basically totaled. In that scene, my whole life was changed. I mean, he was pronounced dead on the scene. It was his car caught on fire. And luckily, I think what they said was that from the impact, he had been knocked out. It was kind of, hopefully we, we, reassuring was that you know he, he didn't go in pain but from that moment on pete and being of the hindu religion you know we do the last rites and so we went to india but for a good month after that i was a complete zombie i just was moving around not knowing what was going on six months later you know when i wanted to move on and i had gotten some advice from you know people that was well-meaning at that point pete but I wouldn't give that advice to anybody else that's, that's perhaps going through it. The advice was be strong. I took that advice to mean to hold on to your emotions. I didn't cry in front of my parents because I had to be strong. I was the older son. I didn't cry in front of my friends because, again, I had to be strong. I didn't cry in front of other people. I didn't let the natural grieving process that my body and mind needed to circulate. And that blew up in my face six months later when I wanted to move on. And my dad had diagnosed me, rightfully so, because he saw, and he obviously he knows what we went through, with PTSD. I had deep panic attacks, 10 or 12 in a day, deep depression, anxiety. I couldn't function. I had to drop school. It wasn't until then that I realized the power of Ayurveda. Because my dad called me, and this was when I had it. I, I was just, I was crying. I didn't know what to do. And I just went to my dad and said, dad, what is wrong with me? I don't feel like myself. This can't be life. You also went through this. Why are you not feeling this? He basically told me, said, look, you have some serious PTSD. And he goes, there's two things we can do right now. One is I can put you down a prescription route, which I don't really believe in. And I've probably put five people on a prescription route in my whole life. And three of those five basically told me that that's all they wanted to do. Or this other route, 
that is all natural, that relies on your own body and mind's ability to heal based on what I later found out was a lot of Ayurvedic principles. It's understanding your emotions. It's changing your diet, having a different awareness around your thoughts, and also most importantly, incorporating herbs into your lifestyle. And Pete, within 30 to 45 days, I was completely back to normal. Even more so, obviously better, because I had a very deeper understanding of how powerful the mind and emotions can be. And that is the moment I realized how powerful not only your own mind is, but also the principles of Ayurveda are. I would love to explore just briefly, you mentioned about being strong, because that is in our culture, Western culture, that seems to be the, the default. Something bad happens, be strong. You know, I've had some turmoil here personally and professionally over, <laughs> over the last month and maybe over the last decade. And it's interesting because people go, "Is you're strong. I wouldn't be able to do that. I'm like, oh, I, don't even, I don't even think that I'm strong. You know, it's just that I, I feel that I'm grounded and, and I'm aware and I don't get caught into certain other, I would probably say, mainstream narratives of who they claim me to be. But I have to say, like this week, actually, I, I didn't feel that grounded in there was about a 48 hour period mm-hmm. it was like oh you're not actually coping very well with this are you and this is my my own internal dialogue and right. i actually i actually have to go deep it's like right. oh usually you're very grounded usually you're not swayed by anything out there you know to a degree you know i i cried tears of joy when I see my children do something or when I'm with my, with, in my, with my wife and we're, <laughs> we're connecting deeply, you know, I can get into a, a deep state of gratitude and appreciation. And even this week, I was like, oh, I'm feeling really heavy. I feel like there's this weight on me. And I'm like, oh, this is a new one for me. What does this mean? Right. You, know, you haven't got all your shit worked out. Mr. <laughs> Evans, uh, you know, you, you're not bulletproof. Absolutely. And, and it was interesting. And, and what I went through was, okay, I'm going to fast at this particular point in time. That was my first thought was I need to do a two day fast. Beautiful. Cause I asked myself one, am I going to make myself dinner tonight? I haven't eaten, but I'm feeling really heavy. Hmm. And my intuition was like, you know what? It's probably a good thing for you not to eat today. And so I did that. I woke up the next day and I was still feeling a bit heavy. And I asked the question again, should I be eating? And like, mm, I, I'd go as long as you can without eating today right. and see how that feels. And then what are the other things that I could do? Okay, maybe I'll go sit outside with a cup of tea and just let that sun hit me and I'll be completely naked and, and not think about anything. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm just giving you a couple of examples of what worked for me this week, but I really had to go deep. Correct. And part of it was like, nah, you're stronger than this. You're stronger. And part mm-hmm, of it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be weak or, or the perception that you have, that you're not bulletproof. So talk to me about your perception of why the Western culture has that ideology that we need to be strong. We need to push through this. No, that's, this is really, you know, it's great. And I really appreciate you, you sharing that, Pete. And I want to just point out that, see, how amazing is it that you are taking the time and you have the awareness to listen to that voice? How many people you know would not listen to that or perhaps would emotionally perhaps eat, would not give you the time and would understand that, hey, I'm not bulletproof. So 
I just want to say that that recognition in it on its own is beautiful. Now, with the Western world, I honestly think being strong has been just painted perhaps in the psyche of so many people. But I can tell you from firsthand experience, that is horrible, horrible, horrible advice. That is not how emotions function. Emotions tell you something. They're signals. Your body, your mind are constantly telling you. Your mind wants to feel good. Your mind wants to go towards homeostasis and balance, and so does your body. So when you take the time to be with your emotions, and let me tell you a little secret here, and I'm sure you know, Pete, Emotions don't last forever. Even happiness does not last forever. Gratitude does not last forever. Feeling of sadness does not last forever. They are emotions. Emotion. Energy in motion. When you take the time. See, to me, the strength is in the feeling. How many of us do not take the opportunity to feel? I am feeling angry. I am feeling sad. The shift happened to me, Pete personally, in my experience, when I allowed myself to feel the sadness, was it easy? No. It's one of the hardest things because those emotions are so deep. They're so overwhelming. But when I allowed myself to feel them, I had a different relationship with them and eventually they didn't bother me. And I believe in this society, we're just trained, especially by, I think, being a, a male. Be strong. You're, you're the older. And that's how, how I, it was told to me. You're the oldest brother now. You, you got to care for your fathers and your mother and your family. And sometimes I look back at that advice. I'm like, wait a minute. What about my feelings? Why do I have to do this? And so to me, when I tell people about other people dealing with grief, to me, the strength, Pete, lies in feeling and being with your emotions and your thoughts. And I think that's what you did. Like, look at how beautiful that is. And it sounds to me, and I'm picking it up from your voice, that you do feel a little bit better. Yeah. But that was the strength in that. It's been an interesting week, I have to say. One of the most fascinating <laughs> weeks so, <laughs> over the last decade as, as far as, you know, because usually I feel fantastic. You know, right. I would say my, my default is energetic, right. curious, positive. And, and I, I try not to label anything, but I, that's me. Like, I never really feel, I don't get sick. Right. I might get a sniffly nose, but then it's gone sort of the next day. And I've had a pretty amazing journey so far. You know, we all have our ups and downs and challenges. Correct. And even this week, it wasn't comparison, I think, is, is a very dangerous route to go down. And that was sort of my rationalization going, come on, Pete, this there's people at the moment in isolation that can't see their family, that don't have a family to yeah. hug, that don't have any money because they've lost their job. What are you being all sookie for? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, okay, well, hmm, yeah, well, that's comparison. And you yourself tell me, you know, one of my things is never compare yourself to others because that can take you down a, a slippery slope, uh, both positive and negative. And you know, today it's it's Saturday here in Sydney and it's early morning. My daughter's asleep upstairs and <laughs> I'm look, I, I woke up this morning, I've looked outside, the sun's out there, I've said hello and thank you to the sun for being there today. Absolutely. And every day this week after that fast and, and acknowledging that I wasn't feeling strong, I wasn't feeling what I would call my default self, you know, even though, and that then is a crazy thing because I actually have a nearly like a, a label or a definition of how I perceive myself to be. And so this week I've been really getting in touch with it is okay to feel a bit blur 
And I even had a colonic yesterday and a chiropractic adjustment this week and an emotional therapy session. And these are just little tools. I'm like, okay, I'm, I, I'm feeling like this could be a really good way of releasing some more stuff or understanding and having more awareness. And today is Saturday and I'm feeling, I wouldn't say I'm back to my, how I normally <laughs> feel, but I've definitely had an improvement and that gives me hope. I'm like, okay, well, I'm on the, I'm on the path, but potentially I could go back again. Or Absolutely. And I can't judge it because there could be wisdom yep. and there could be a, something in this that I haven't seen yet, like the dots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Believe it or not, Pete, but I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing if my brother had not passed. I mean, as dark as that event was, as much as it just lifted the ground under my feet, just was gone. It mm. taught me so much. Like Pete, I didn't even realize that the tape that sometimes plays in my head, I can hit the pause button, the reset button, the reprogram button. Like how that discovery, like what you're saying, the awareness around the thoughts and the emotions is what I think I was really taught here. Because in that moment, absolutely my mind, the fight or flight didn't stop. Heavy anxiety didn't stop until I got the awareness. And I think that's what you're talking about too right now is that your, your awareness has been adept at picking that up. And that to me is just beautiful because I, I really think that that's perhaps you are getting deeper wisdom that, or you're picking up on subconscious things that are just popping up now. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's an ongoing journey. Just when you think you've worked it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're all work in progress. <laughs> like, you really think you've got it worked out? Well, let me show you something. Yeah, maybe that's, yeah, maybe yeah. that's even, and, and funnily enough, maybe that's even a belief of mine. Absolutely. You know, that Could be. Just when you think you've got it, yep. I'm going to create another thing for you to go deeper. Absolutely. And maybe that's not a great belief for me to have, but at the moment it seems to be the one that, that is recurring yeah. and I'm going to have to go deep on that one too. Absolutely. And hey, the, the moment is all you have, right? This is, this is the moment. So, All right, let's get stuck into your transformational process and what are some of the tools and solutions that worked for you? So one of the first things that, that I said was, and it relates to Ayurveda, is that mind-body-spirit connection. One of the first things that, that I did was really get in tune, like I said, with my emotions. And something as powerful as welcoming the emotions, not resisting them, and understanding that it is a energy in motion. So when I developed kind of the awareness around that, Pete, I already started shifting a lot of things here. The heavy anxiety lifted because no longer was I afraid to feel? And my thoughts were not overwhelming. The depression also lifted because I understood that this feeling was temporary and that I could, when I allow it to be felt, it no longer has the same power as it did before. But also changing up my diet, eating more in-season season fruits and veggies and, and organic and prepared, more around the vegetarian diet. We had occasional meats such as fish and even chicken occasionally, but not so much, but also incorporating certain Ayurvedic herbs and of course, exercise, meditation, and yoga. I mean, it's a full gamut, but I would say the most important thing for me really was understanding my emotional intelligence and then also the herbs that were incredibly powerful for us. Emotional intelligence. I love that. Mm -hmm. Our emotions are intelligent. Let's, let's expand yeah. on that before we get into some of these herbs. Absolutely. So what I mean by that is when I would be feeling the sadness and I would be feeling the overwhelm, when 
I had the awareness around it, I began to kind of ask, hey, why am I feeling like the same thing what you were just sharing earlier? Like you, you were like, why am I feeling like this? And when you can sit there with the emotion and understand, okay, hey, I'm feeling anxious because I have, I feel like I didn't get the chance to fully grieve. And I'm feeling really depressed, obviously, because I lost my brother. And this is what these emotions, they just want to come up and be felt. There is perhaps something here that the emotion's trying to tell me. And that's what I mean by the intelligence around the emotion. You're, like I said earlier, your body is constantly telling you signals, whether they're subtle or they're big, constantly telling you, you know, maybe you eat certain thing and you eat outside and you get an upset stomach. That's an obvious signal. But perhaps have you ever noticed when you step into a certain place, a certain situation, a certain setting, and you just get this feeling, hey, it doesn't feel right. Don't ignore that. That is your intuition telling you something very powerful. And it's all around kind of the emotions, you know, the, the gut feeling. There is something about it. My family and I have been using beautiful, high-quality essential oils for the last 20 years to live healthily every single day. Now, if you're passionate about health and are ready to step into leadership, I want to invite you to partner with my team and I to build a beautifully successful doTERRA business. Register at PeteHLC.com backslash Pete. That's PeteHLC, which stands for the Healthy Living Collective, dot com backslash Pete. Mm, I had that in, uh, I mean, this is probably very woo-woo, but I had that once in Chicago, actually. I checked into this hotel a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and I was filming a TV show for PBS in America, a cooking show. And I, first time I've been in Chicago ever. Oh, and nice. they, they put us up at this hotel. And before I went to the hotel, I went out for dinner and uh, it was a wonderful restaurant. And we were filming with the, the chef the next day and the restaurant was called The Girl and the Goat. So mm. I popped in there by myself. I had a great meal and I had my luggage taken to the hotel and I, I check into the hotel. It must have been about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. As soon as I walked in there, I was like, oh, I don't <laughs> feel good. I don't feel really comfortable in this place. And it, was, it had only happened to me once before Interesting. At, this, at this place in this very old cottage in South Australia. And I checked into the room. I went upstairs into the room and even walking down the hallway of the fourth floor of this hotel, I was like, mm. I do not feel, and I, I, just to give everyone the understanding, completely sober, no alcohol in my system, <laughs> nothing else, right? And, and it wasn't jet lag because I've been in the States for a while. So just, I'd had a beautiful dinner, walking to my room and I stay in a lot of hotels. So I've just got to tell everybody. Right. I'm walking down the hallway of floor four. I get into my room. And I'm like, I am petrified. My body is telling me something that I should not be here. Mm. And I try to rationalize it going, you're in an 800 room hotel. What could possibly be an issue here? And so I, I called my wife. I, I had a chat with her. I said, really strange, but I'm not feeling comfortable in this hotel. Interesting. And she's like, well, leave if you don't feel like it. I said, I'm a 44-year-old male and I'm, why should I leave? Right. So anyway, it didn't have a mini bar and I needed some water. So I go back downstairs, I get a water out of the vending machine. I go back up and I'm walking down this, this hallway again. Uh -huh. And I, I can't tell you how my energy was just in fear. My whole wow. body and mind and spirit was just in fear. And I get into my room, I put on, I buy one of those movies on television, which is a comedy, you know, <laughs> something like Chris Rock or so Kevin Hart or something, right, and I'm right. sitting there. 
and I watch five minutes just to get myself into a good state. And after five minutes, I'm like, I can't do this. It was midnight. And mm. I just grabbed my bag and I've walked out. I've, I've actually nearly ran out of this establishment. Wow. And I get into a, into a taxi out the front and then I'm Googling, it's midnight, Chicago hotels, what's open? Right. And I asked the, the taxi driver, I said, is there anything strange about this hotel? And I've never mm. used the word haunted in my life, right? And I'm, I don't, I've never believed in anything like that. He's like, no, I don't know. So then yeah, after I get the, I've Googled the hotel that I was in, which was Congress Hotel and haunted. Wow. It's the most haunted oh hotel gosh, apparently. That's so in, interesting. <laughs> in America. And they film TV shows. And now get this, they film it on the freaking fourth floor of that oh hotel. Oh my God, you were dead center. What they were saying is lots of, paranormal activity and even when i'm reading i'm like no no that's so amazing everything in my body was screaming get out of here and it was the most bizarre thing and nothing has happened since that day in any respect of that but i had no idea but how weird is that and how i don't know what you can say about that but just bizarre, like really bizarre. It's so like interesting because I I have heard of that hotel. You're absolutely right. But you're in tune, you know, you picked up on, again, the energetic patterns that, you, that you're picking up on. It just didn't feel right. And, you know, you listen to it again, Pete. So, I mean, that that was, to me, honestly, it made sense. <laughs> if I can say it in one thing. The whole crew stayed there. And I went and met them the next day at that hotel. Mm. And I told them the story. And one, per, one of the crew said, I had exactly the same feeling all wow. night. I couldn't sleep. Something was wrong with the energy. And everybody else was like, had a great sleep. What are you talking about? You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they're like, yeah, your bullshit meters <laughs> yeah. off the charts, Evans, and you're paranoid. I'm like, eh, I would never, I'm not going back to that hotel to check out anyway. But, right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I've never shared that story on, on the podcast No, before, thank so. you for sharing. I appreciate that. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I followed you up until now, Pete, but you, you've just, <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've lost me. So, No, no, I don't think so. That was, it was a really interesting story. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> but the question was, going back to it, the emotional intelligence and how to, as you said, you walk into a room, you don't feel comfortable and you're talking about signs. So talk to me more about these signs. Yeah. So to me, see, the reason I kind of wanted to really dive deeper into Ayurveda was, again, connecting the dots back. And it was something, I mean, have you ever had this happen before, Pete? Like something works for you so well and you feel so good, you naturally want to either tell people about it or share about it. And that's what I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, you've never. <laughs> I, I, I did it. I did it actually. I'll, I'll just briefly. When, <laughs> when I was 19, I went to an Anthony Robbins uh, three day workshop after I read his books and they were promoting the fit for life diet back then by the diamonds. And it was about food combining and a pretty much vegetarian approach. So I adopted that. Then I started meditating with Sri Chinmoy mm-hmm. Institute. They're also transcendental meditation. I, I studied two different forms of meditation when I was 19 and, and I gave up alcohol, gave up drugs, gave up meat and all, or any animal product. I thought I had the answer. Mm. And as a 19-year-old, hey, 
I was telling my mom, I was telling my dad, I was telling my work colleagues, I was telling my members of the family. I was like, hey, you got to get onto this vegan thing. You guys are fucking the planet. You're hurting the animals. You got no idea. And I told freaking everyone, right? I was one of those guys that just, and I was passionate and I was idealistic in it. And my belief wouldn't waver. The more information I read about this, the more staunch I became in my behavior. Until three years down the track, I was the shell of the human being that I once was. Mm. And I was so sick. And I really had to, couldn't have been the diet, could it? No, because this is the diet that everybody on the planet should be on. And it took me another year until I was at a function and somebody was cooking, of all things, veal with truffles mm-hmm. and baby cow. Could you imagine? I was, I was a oh, chef wow. and I was at this restaurant Jeez. and uh, I was like, i got to get me some of that. Yeah. You know? and, <laughs> and I had a bite and I could just feel it. As soon as I put that first mouthful back into my body, yeah. And I'm not suggesting veal is an appropriate choice for people. It's up to how you find what works for you. And right. I, don't, I don't actually eat veal these days. But all of a sudden, that first mouthful, I was like, holy shit, what have <laughs> I done? You know, I might have actually inadvertently, if anybody had have listened to me, which I don't think anybody did, luckily, I might have taken people down a, a really dangerous slope. So fast forward 20 years later, my wife was reading a book about paleo and I have ended up becoming sort of very well known for a primal or ancestral, or what I would call nearly a modern indigenous approach to mm-hmm. diet and lifestyle. And I've had the awareness not to shout it from the rooftops for anybody. Correct. And never ever have I said to anybody that they should do this. So now I have a lot of vegans and vegetarians and different belief systems come to me and they say, how do I do this or why should I do it? I said, at the moment, this is working for me. Mm. You know, I said, continue doing what you do and if at any point in time you're not achieving the results that you're looking for, then you may want to consider this and then try this. And if this doesn't work for you, then try something else. But I'm very cautious not to say everybody should be doing right. this. Every, you know, I mean, What I do say is please support organic farmers, please support regenerative agriculture, whether you are vegetarian or vegan or if you do consume meat, then there are certain farmers out there that are are doing the best that they can for the health of the soil, the health of the planet and the health of the animals. So, yes, so I have been there and and told people what to do. And now these (laughs) days I prefer to ask the questions. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I get it. Makes sense. So continue and, and sorry, this is the, probably the most I've ever spoken on a, on a podcast. So apologies, I'll oh, shut up from now on. No, 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 Pete, please. It's, it's so fun. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to hear about it. So, I mean, it's one of the things that was interesting to me and perhaps if you don't mind, if we can get into it, it's kind of like the therapy, like the routes of what else was therapy to me and what didn't work was, so personally for me, and, and it's so interesting how you point out that it works for you and it's been, you, you be cautious of it works for you or not. See, to me, the counseling around my brother's death of continuing to revisit the memory and talk about it, it wasn't working for me. And personally, in my experience, just again, I, I like to talk from my experience. It didn't work. It doesn't mean it doesn't work for anybody. But to me, I kept on digging at the memory. I kept on going back to the situation where I kind of wanted to move on from, get on with life. And I believe 
that as human beings, we are automatically programmed to continue and move on, continue and move on. And it's the suffering is caused when we get stuck, whether it's something we hold on to that was painful or something we, we hold on to that we don't want to let go of. And to me, that realization of understanding that this was not working for me, that revisiting this is not working was eye-opening because I stopped going. I stopped going to counseling and rather I dove deeper within and I found out what I was passionate about and what I wanted to do and my mission. And I went into that. It was kind of like I created a diversion for myself and got all into Uveda and creating a path that really can help people. And to me, it's, it's if I could help somebody suffer less than I did, or perhaps not even, that to me was so powerful. Like we were talking about, you know, something that benefited other people so well, and you want to share, this is what I wanted to give back. And that's what I kind of picked up from, okay, instead of keep on revisiting, why don't you go all in on, on your creative side and create something and get passionate and all in on that? Mm, I love it. I've had guests before, Shervin, actually, dear friend, he, he talks about being all in. Yes. Can you explain what all in means for you? All in means that, and it's interesting, there's a great question, Pete. All in, you know when it's all in, it, it becomes almost like a calling. Even when you don't want to do something for it, you still have that inspiration, that motivation internally to do it. And all in means that it becomes almost a healthy obsession. If you're familiar with Robin Sherma, he uses this word. It's a healthy obsession. It becomes almost your predominant subconscious programming to want to go and do that. And that's what we wanted to do at, at Uveda is it became that, that I got to get this message out there. People got to understand that there is other ways because Pete, I know you agree and, and have seen, there is people that are they know that, that my story, and unfortunately, they don't have somebody like my father who is able to guide them and able to listen and trust your own body to get it through. And some people that are unfortunately been stuck for years and doing the same things that perhaps are not working. And that's what I mean by being all in is being all in on the mission and having that passion. Passion is important. I wholeheartedly agree. I've had so many people tell me, I mean, I won't say they're activists, but they're people that they've said that they didn't choose the path mm -hmm. to share their message. It was like they were chosen. These are these people's words beautiful. to do the work that they're doing. And so many times they've, they've said, why me? I didn't actually choose this. I don't want to be the messenger because this is going to be very challenging for myself and my family. Yet they continue down the path because they feel like they, it's their mission. And I, somebody sent me something the other day, which I wanted to share if I can find it. And um, I'm just opening my phone because mm -hmm. it was a pretty powerful statement. And I think it goes in hand in hand with with what you've said. The best career advice that I can give, don't ever attach yourself to a person, a place, a company, an organization, or a project. Attach yourself to a mission, mm. a calling, yep. a purpose only. That's how you keep your power and your peace. I love that. That is so powerful. And you, you know what? I'll add to that as well, Pete. 
they did a study here, and I think it was a poll. Employee satisfaction, once employees make a certain amount of money and a certain amount of benefits, to go to the next level and get employees more motivated, people have to feel attached to a mission or a vision that they can get behind. And that takes them to the next level. It's extremely powerful stuff. Extremely powerful stuff. Mm. Let's talk about some of these ancient medicinal herbs. And can I use the word medicinal herbs there? And yeah, absolutely. Let's have a chat about some of these amazing plants and sure. that, that we can incorporate into our diet and, and how they work. Yeah. Do you have a particular one that you'd like me to touch up on? or You know, it's something that I have been introduced to recently, actually, through my wife, was ashwagandha. Yes. <laughs> wow. I would say ashwagandha was single-handedly the herb that me and my family went to for the time that we, after my brother. See, ashwagandha in ancient text has been, its nickname is to embark the power of a thousand horses. It is known as one of the most powerful adaptogens, Rasayana in Ayurveda. It means it's a daily elixir. And what I mean by an adaptogen is adaptogen, adaptogenic herbs help manage the body, adapt to stress. It works with your cortisol. Ashwagandha, when it goes inside your body, it's intelligent enough, Pete, to understand that, hey, Cortisol, as you know, Pete, is supposed to be highest in the morning because let's get going. And the body's like, hey, it's, it's sunrise. Let's get going. And that's why cortisol is the highest in the morning. And it's supposed to naturally drop off in the evening. But when people get adrenally fatigued, mentally burned out, that cortisol does not know what, how to function anymore. And people having trouble falling asleep. How many people cannot fall asleep naturally these days? It's crazy to me. And that is because the adrenals have been fatigued. The cortisol is all out of whack. But this is where ashwagandha, being an adaptogen, adapting to the body's ability to adopt a stress helps. It goes in and balances. If your cortisol is too low, it knows what to do and it brings it back up. If your cortisol is too high, it brings it back down. It works with the endocrine system and also the immune system. It's also a herb that's used in many combinations because it does support many other herbs. You can combine it with many other herbs. So most of the time, a lot of times actually, you'll see ashwagandha combined with other things. You obviously can take it individually as well. It's a great adaptogen, great for adrenal support. But this was one to me and one to my father, Pete, that he loves. I mean, he uses it in a lot of formulas. He uses it in a lot of our formulas for our product as well. I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, it's it's been deeply studied for not only mental health, immune health, and also for so many other things that go into that medicinal kind of route. Mm. So last week I shared a um, video, and it was the it was the CEO of YouTube. Mm -hmm. and they were being interviewed recently, right. uh, actually la last week, and they said that they were going to remove any video from their platform that spoke about vitamin C and turmeric yeah, I saw as, that. <laughs> without passing judgment or anything. Tell me about turmeric because that no doubt has been a part of Ayurvedic medicine, I would believe, or Ayurvedic studies, and tell me about turmeric and why that may not be, why would they even think about that? Or if you don't want to go down that path, tell us about what you know about turmeric. 
Yeah, no, I saw that video that you're referencing as well. I find it interesting. So I think it's a very nice question. I appreciate you, you know, making me comfortable about that. So turmeric is one of the greatest Ayurvedic anti-inflammatories there is. It really does help support inflammation. And it's used a lot for muscle and joint support. And also it's used for dietaries in terms of bowel regulating because it is a anti-inflammatory. Now, the thing about turmeric and the active form curcumin is that on its own, it is not bioavailable, meaning that if you do not combine it with a fat or you do not combine it with other herbs that assimilate it more, make it more bioavailable, you're most likely not getting as much turmeric the body needs to absorb. But to me, turmeric is one of those other, almost like your facets of, of a formula. Now, I would say that you don't need to take it every day. You know, it's, it's a good one when you do have certain seasons, when more of the inflammation is there. It is a heating herb. You know, each of these herbs have different properties. It does cause heat. So maybe if you're getting too much, you can also notice that perhaps you will notice that fiery kind of element to it as well. But to me, turmeric, and especially the active curcumin, which you can standardize in the, in the extract, is a great anti-inflammatory. I mean, it's been used as there for muscle and joint support. We use it also in our digestion formula. And the good thing about it is I actually asked my dad, I was like, you know, dad, this is interesting. I usually notice it in the muscle and joints products to help with joint mobility, inflammation. And he said, well, when you eat certain things that don't don't coincide with kind of your, your body, you also create inflammation, of course, in the gut. And he goes, that's why I put it in here is to help with that gut inflammation. So turmeric is is a very powerful spice. It looks like, you know, has a very similar characteristic to ginger, which is also a great anti-inflammatory and antioxidant. And I use it a lot. And I'm sure, you know, you cook with it as well. Mm, oh, the flavor of it is, is amazing. And what I found so fascinating about turmeric, and I would encourage everybody to explore this, even if you're not a gardener, which I have never really seen myself as. And my wife and I have a, and family have, a, we purchased a farm coming up to about five or six years ago. One of the first things we did was get some beautiful vegetable beds put in by a wonderful company in Victoria called The Healthy Patch. Hmm. And so all organic, beautiful timber as well. And they said to me, what would you like to, or to ask, what would you like to plant? And I was like, oh, can we do turmeric? <laughs> we had eight beds and I thought, what a great thing to be able to do. And they said, yeah, turmeric we can do. Yep. And it usually takes about 12 to 18 months approximately for you to get your first harvest. Correct. And that was something that I, I was like, okay, so it takes a long time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, not as long as an avocado tree or a macadamia tree, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's 18 months. Let's do it. We are now, I think, five years, nearly six years up on the farm. And my wife actually posted a photo yesterday or a video of herself on the farm with the turmeric plant leaves. Oh, nice. and, and I have to tell you, the amount of turmeric that we've got and harvested out of, we planted probably half a vegetable bed of turmeric, we can't get through it. Yep. We have so much and it keeps producing year after year after year. And I don't know how long it's going to keep producing for, but it keeps producing. And we get our dog, who's a very small poodle. We put her into the garden bed when it's time to harvest and she digs <laughs> up the turmeric for us. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> That's amazing. And 
and we pickle it, we ferment it, we juice it, and mm-hmm. we can't get through it enough. And it is so delicious, especially when it's been pickled or fermented or juiced. Oh, I and can't imagine how good the, the right out of your garden it must be. That's amazing. And because it's so expensive to yep. buy at yep. the grocery yep. store. Yep. I think it's the $50, maybe $70 a kilogram sometimes. We, we're getting maybe five to 10 kilograms of this a year yeah. out of a small little vegetable bed. And it's, it's, it seems like one of these plants that just wants to, it's in abundance. It wants to give, it wants to grow and you don't have to do anything to it. Right. And that to me is nearly, I mean, I mean, you could say the same thing about weeds, but you know, something that is just so giving, you know, Absolutely. and I love that in it. So how do we make it more bioavailable? So how are you guys preparing it right now? You can add simple things such as peat black pepper in it as well. That makes it more bioavailable. You can bind it with coconut milk. You can Mm -hmm. bind it with coconut oil. That will put more of, that'll deliver more of the curcumin or the turmeric, the active in in turmeric. That'll deliver more of the turmeric into your body. And otherwise it's very hard for the body to absorb it. But simple things, black pepper, coconut milk, coconut oil, binding it to a fat that's desirable to you will help make it more bioavailable and assimilate. Mm, I love it. We've actually done a recipe before with, um, I don't personally eat dairy, but to make something that looks like uh, butter, we've taken turmeric and mixed it with either beef tallow or pork lard from healthy Ah. animals. So we create this tallow butter, so to speak, called lard butter. And that cooked, uh, a piece of fish cooked with that or a piece of steak cooked with that, you're flavoring the steak with some really good fat uh, or your vegetables in that aspect. And it's a wonderful thing to do. And I would love for, if it's all possible for us to finish up the podcast with some of your daily rituals that incorporate the Ayurvedic principles and some solutions or tips for people at home, please, brother. Absolutely. One of the things that I always encourage people, if I can use that word, is like Pete was saying earlier, guys, remember, gratitude is something so powerful. There's this really famous quote that said, I cried when I didn't have shoes until I noticed the boy that didn't have feet, you know? So it's so powerful when you really begin to focus on gratitude. What gratitude does, it's a really powerful thing. Your brain focuses on abundance instead of lack. We automatically go to lack instead of going to abundance. When you begin to do a more of a gratitude practice daily, you begin to focus again on the things you have, on abundance, and your focus goes there. And where your awareness goes, energy is going to produce and manifest. So I love to wake up early in the morning, do yoga, do meditation. I like to meditate first thing in the morning and then hit up, hit up a nice workout. It could be anything. But right before going to bed, Pete, I love to do gratitude. I love to send my subconscious off into a deep rest with gratitude. I don't like to watch TV before going to sleep. I don't like to watch the news, especially nowadays. <laughs> and I try to be away from my phone and computer as much as possible. Now, I don't think I'm 100% at that, but I do try. I notice that I get much more restful sleep. And I try not to eat past 7 p.m. That also Ayurvedically, you begin to, your digestive agni goes down dramatically after that, which, you know, you can hold a lot more of the food. It doesn't get digested and it'll be harder for your body to begin digesting it because it just, when you go to sleep, it's also a very rejuvenating process. And 
that's some of the things I like to do. I love to spend time, of course, with my family, but my, some of my daily rituals are my daily meditation. I like to get my workout in. I like to practice gratitude and I'm a structured guy. So I like to have my top five of the day. I make a list in the morning and these are the top five things I want to get done throughout the day. And these are, these could be big things. It could be small things, but to me, it's my top five. And it's something that really at the end of it, it's satisfying to me and something about crossing off items on a list. It's just builds momentum. Mm. You're speaking my language there, brother. <laughs> as, as a chef for many years, that was, uh, yeah. that's all we ever did. You know, it was so satisfying crossing things off a list. I can't tell you because it meant that the work was being done and Absolutely. when everything was ticked off, you were ready for service and you felt prepared. You felt ready for the, for whatever was about to come. And sometimes I would liken it to a battle or a dance or an orchestra nice. doing a performance. And if everyone was in tune and by everybody being in tune, it meant body, mind and spirit, but also having all the work preparation done, which is called mise en place in, in French. And that way, when that happened, we had the best likelihood of creating the most wonderful service time for not only the customers, but also for all the employees that were taking part in this, in this dance or this symphony. And Beautiful. I can't tell you how enjoyable what it was like. And it's one of the things I do miss about not being in a professional kitchen <laughs> as much as I used to be. And <laughs> that feeling at the end of service, yep. knowing that, Everybody was in harmony to the best of their ability or capabilities that night, front of house, back of house. Even the customers part played that role because even their mm. energy Love that. would have, you know, going back to the Chicago Hotel, some nights it was electric in our restaurants where everyone was vibrating at this, this frequency that you knew there was something special going on in that room that night or that establishment. And it was nearly intangible in how you could actually define it. And other nights when something was a little bit off, you know, the whole house of cards could fall down and, and it was just, you wish you were not a chef that, that day or, 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 or a customer walking into that or a waiter serving and you could, you know, and that's, that's life. Absolutely. That is life. That is the ups, the downs, the the joys, the heartache, the further, as we would say in the kitchen, we're in the shit. Yeah, (laughs) that's a good expression, yes. (laughs) But we will get through it. Absolutely. We'll get through it. And Goody, I want to thank you so much for your time today and your words of wisdom. And, And thank you for allowing me the ability to share some of my vulnerability and some of my, his story as well. I was just going to tell you, I love you, brother. And uh, oh, thank you. So I'm very much. grateful for this time. Thank you so much, Pete. I am as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was an absolute honor. And man, it, it came out naturally, really. I, I don't know if I did anything. It just came out naturally. And that's what was the best about it. You know, I think we might have to get you back for podcast two down the track where we, where we dive into a little bit more of the science of how Ayurveda came to be and why it continues to be such a powerful force for so many people's lives. I would love that. And, and, and you know how passionate I am about that. I would love that. And, and you let me know, maybe, maybe you don't, we don't got to get you up so early. I can, I can stay up a little bit later. <laughs> uh, we're actually, I, the morning time for me is when I'm in, for me, that's my creative time. I love that's it. That's when I'm 
when I'm very grounded and uh, very free. So. Nice. Very good. Love you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is it possible to let people know where they can learn more about us? Please do. It'll be in the intro notes, but please share where they can find more information about you and what you do. Sure. So if you guys found kind of what we do interesting, you know, we, we have a company that's based on Ayurvedic principles. We sell supplements and even essential oils. You can go to www.uveda.com forward slash podcast. And we have a special offer for anybody listening. You know, it's 35% off your, your first time order and additional 5% off a subscription. That's again, www.uveda.com forward slash podcast. And there's a lot of wealth of information there as well on, on Ayurveda and, and we do weekly things on updates. And so I think it's, it's a great place to kind of learn and be interested in, in about the products. Beautiful. Thank you, brother. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Pete. Appreciate it. Take care. If you would like to become a qualified health coach, then the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, or IIN for short, can help you achieve your goals. I completed their health coaching course many years ago, which has been one of the catalysts for my own journey into what I now love to do, which is to help people achieve greater health through the sharing of information through my books, seminars, podcasts, TV shows, and films. I recommend IIN for anyone wishing to pursue a career in the health coaching and wellness space. IIN is a one-year course, so that if you're a full-time worker, busy parent, or wherever you are in your life, it is flexible enough so you'll be able to complete all the required curriculum. Please see the link included in the podcast show notes or my website to access the free sample class and first module of their program. This will give you a great taste of the format as well as the structure, and you can also utilize my special discount that I can offer you if you decide to sign up. Make sure you tell the admissions team that you're part of the Pete Evans Tuition Savings to claim your very substantial discount. Please visit integrativenutrition.com or email admissions at integrativenutrition.com. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.